Pastor Xavier Reese describes what happened when man took God's laws for granted. Noah was to be certain that he would escape the judgment of God. Verse 17, God would be personally responsible for the flood. God had called forth the earth from the waters of the deep as we saw in chapter 1 of Genesis. Now he's going to use judgment of water and put that earth underwater once again, reversing the creative order. Interesting. And when he does it, it's absolutely just because of the corruption. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Why do the wicked seem to prosper? That's the same question man has asked throughout the ages, but it's also a question that's easily answered when it comes to the judgment of sin. Today, as Pastor Xavier takes us back to Genesis chapter 6, he brings to the forefront the issue of rebellion and the holiness of God. He also draws out the incredible grace of God in the message titled, A Ray of Hope, Noah. The mission of Noah. Look at verse 8 through 13. Noah was to be the consecrated vessel in view of God's judgment. He found grace in God's eyes in verse 8. He was a righteous man, blameless, a man of integrity, walking with God in verse 9. He had three sons that are given to us in verse 10. And the earth was corrupt before God, filled with violence, verse 11. And then God in verse 12 affirms the corruption of the earth by man corrupting his ways on the earth. Man is responsible for the evil. Everybody wants to blame God. It was man's doing. And in verse 13, God declares his verdict to destroy all of mankind along with the earth. Notice verse 14 through 16. Noah was to be the craftsman of the ark, an ark here preparing for the judgment of God. And the word for ark is an interesting word. The word is used also one other time, and it's for the little ark that Moses was put in in Exodus 2, 3, and 5, the little basket. Interesting. They both were delivered from the judgment. Noah from the judgment of God and Moses from the judgment of man. Both put in a little ark, same word, both put in the water. <laughs> both deliverers. Interesting. Verse 14, the ark was to have rooms. The word for room literally means nests. Why? Because there would be compartments for the animals. The ark was to have a specific size. Verse 15, the measure of a cubit is usually 18 inches. The distance from your middle finger to the elbow, a foot and a half. So the ark was to be 300 cubits long, 450 feet. The ark was to be 50 cubits wide, 75 feet. The ark was to be 30 cubits high, 45 feet high. There you have your dimensions. And then it has some specific items in verse 16. The ark was to have a window, 18 inches from the top. You need some ventilation. It's going to be ripe in there, okay? <laughs> the ark was to have one door on the side. Interesting, Jesus said that he's the only way. He's the door to the sheepfold. The ark was to have three decks. The volume of this ark comes out to 1,400,000 cubic feet, equivalent to 522 boxcars of a railroad. Now look at verse 17 through 22. Noah was to be certain that he would escape the judgment of God. Verse 17, God would be personally responsible for the flood. Please notice this. 
God would be the agent of the flood. And behold, I myself am bringing the flood upon the earth. God says, I take full responsibility for killing everybody. Whoa. And when he does it, it's absolutely just because of the corruption. The word for flood is used uniquely in reference to the flood of Noah's days, by the way. This is also true of the Greek word that is used in Matthew 24, Luke 17, and 2 Peter 2, 5. They're unique words only for the flood of Noah. God had called forth the earth from the waters of the deep, as we saw in chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 and 3 of Genesis. Now he's going to use judgment of water and put that earth underwater once again, reversing the creative order. Interesting. God would destroy from under heaven all flesh in which the breath of life, everything that is on the earth would die. And he repeats this over and over again to make sure that no one survived except Noah and his family, not one. There would be no need to build an ark if it was a local flood. People say, oh, come on, it was a local flood. Really? Well, you can get pretty far in 120 years. Everywhere you go in the world, I don't want to get sidetracked. Let me just give you this. You go to the highest mountains in the world, the highest mountains, pick one. And you will find sea life sediment up there. Now, how do you think I got it there? Some little pygmy climb up there and have a picnic and leave it there? That's only some of the stuff. We'll get into it next time. Verse 18, God would personally make a covenant with Noah. But I will establish my covenant with you. This is the first mention of the word covenant. It comes from the root word in the sense of cutting. As you know, the practice of scripture was it would divide an animal in half, and then the parties who made the covenant will walk in the middle of the two pieces and the blood would seal it together. We see this in Genesis chapter 15, verse 10, when God made a covenant with Abraham and only God walked through it. Abraham did not. Then we saw it in Jeremiah 34, 18, when he cut the animal in two and walked between it for the covenant with God. This is where the word comes from. God made the conditions of the covenant. Listen, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. No one else. God commanded to enter the ark. God specified who would enter the ark. God has given us the specific of the gospel to be saved. And he limits salvation to those who embrace the conditions. Verse 19 and 20, God specified the animals to be brought into the ark. The general command to Noah. And if every, of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They should be male and female, all right? Now, the total volume of the ark is 1,400,000 cubic feet, the equivalence of 522 standard box cards, uh, which would equate probably about 125,000 sheep if you want to get a good visual on that, okay? That would fit in there. Authorities estimate that there are 18,000 species living in the world today. Allowing for extinct species, let's double it. 36,000. Doubling for male and female, 72,000, which would leave one-fifth of the volume for food and people. Notice the specific command to Noah of the birds after their kind, animals after their kind, every creeping thing after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. Of its kind is key. But notice he says, they will come to you. Noah didn't have to go chase these animals. God's the creator. I mean, if you and I can train a dog and go, come here, and he comes, do you think God can say, come here, come on? (laughs) I mean, how he did it, who cares? We can speculate, but he did it. You understand? Nothing's impossible for God. 
All these objections, all these things that are man's problems, not God's problems. Verse 21 and 22, God commanded Noah to store up food provisions then. Noah was to take the food for himself and for his family, and he was to take food for the animals also. Noah was responsible for bringing these provisions to the ark, not God. God had his part. Noah had his part. That's always the balance. Noah was obedient to God, it says in verse 22. Thus Noah did. And the complete obedience of Noah is reinforced by saying, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. The same is said of Moses and any others in the scriptures. He stood alone in a world that was God-rejecting. He stood alone believing God. That's where you are. That's where I am today. You understand? Each of us are called to be consecrated vessels in preparation of the coming of the Lord. Just jot down 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 26. And I'm going to read you these verses, but listen to the label I've given them, okay? Verse 20 is the understanding. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood, clay, some of honor, and some of dishonor. That's the understanding. You need to understand that in this auditorium, there's, there's not only vessels of honor, but dishonor, of clay and everything else. Second of all, verse 21, the choice. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, or for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. That's your choice. What kind of vessel are you going to be? That's your choice. Okay? You can't hang it on God. That's your choice and that's mine. Verse 22, the exhortation. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Exhortation. Verse 23, the warning. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they gender strife. 24, the instruction. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. 25, the attitude. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. The goal, verse 26 and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Judgment is coming. You and I are God's vessels to warn. Every believer is to be building up himself in his most holy faith. We're not to build an ark. Jude chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, verse 20. Are you being filled with the Spirit of God daily? Are you asking Him? Are you dependent on the Spirit of God or your own strength? Be careful of that. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercies of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, unto eternal life, verse 21 says. His love is the only thing that can get me by. My love will make me bitter, make me self-righteous. My love will make me selfish. His love will make me more like Him. I don't want to be more like me. I want to be more like Him. Verse 22, And on some have compassion, making a distinction. So we're to have a heart for the lost, but we're to be wise in our observation. Verse 23, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defined by the flesh. In other words, you make a decision of discretion. There are some people who are so seeped in sin, and if you were in that type of sin, you be careful as you go in there to take them out. They suck you back in. So you use wisdom on where you go, what you do, and the guys are the ones ascending you. Understand? Very, very important. 
Every believer is told clearly that they will escape the judgment of the wrath of God to come. If you're a Christian, then you will escape the wrath to come. Romans 5, 9 says, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says the same thing. Revelation 3, 10, to the church of Philadelphia, Jesus said, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour, the article of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth, earth dwellers. I'm not an earth dweller. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. I'm a heavenly citizen. And Christ has died for me that I might escape the hour that is coming upon the whole world. Have you made that decision? And if you have, do you base it upon faith in Jesus Christ? The mission of Noah was to prepare to escape the judgment of God and be God-centered. Then we have the message of Noah then. The message of Noah is very, very simple. First, Noah was a man of faith. Hebrews eleven seven is your text. A man of faith. He was divinely warned of things not yet seen, and he moved with godly fear. That's good. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. He moved with godly fear. He didn't just intellectualize it and say, oh, yeah, that's nice. This and that. No, he, he freaked out. When, when, you, when you understand danger, you respond, okay? You don't just go along, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know the train's coming. I know it's about 10 feet from me. So what? There had been no rain to that day. Genesis 2, 5 through 8, a little mist. It was going to rain for 40 days, 40 nights, and a lot of water is going to come. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him, Hebrew eleven six. But also he prepared an ark for the saving of his household, it says in Hebrews eleven seven. The ark was not for the people Noah was warning. God knew they were going to reject it was for him and his family. In fact, he tells them in chapter 7, verse 1, come into the ark, you and all your household. God knew the extreme corruption of man, the unwillingness of their heart. God knows today. Nothing surprises God. He also condemned the world by building the ark, tells us Hebrews eleven seven. The very presence of the ark spoke of judgment to come, as well as Noah's grandfather, Methuselah, his name meant when he dies, the end comes. So God had warned way before Noah. The condemnation or judgment of the world was not Noah's doing, but their own rejection about the warning of judgment to come. He became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. There's no other way you can be righteous before God. Hebrews 11:7 says. Noah became a type of Adam as a representative of righteousness for the human race into the second world. Noah could not attribute his own righteousness to himself, but to the face of the revelation of God's provision. No one else. Peter also tells us that Noah was a preacher of faith. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. He did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God called him a preacher of righteousness, according to Peter. The word righteousness basically has to do with man's right relationship with man. But he's the preacher of righteousness. He's declaring the gospel, the good news of how to get right with God, to be right with man. There's no other way. 
In fact, the word preacher is karuks, which means a herald, a messenger. And oftentimes, that one person would be hired by the kings or the magistrates or the civil authorities to make proclamations. The, the message was not his. It was given to him. The authority was not his. It was vested to him. He was not responsible for the message, only to proclaim the message. He was not responsible for the people's response to the message, but to only proclaim the message. That's what a herald is. That's what you are. That's what I am. I never feel responsible for any people's response to the gospel when I'm done. It is your responsibility how you're going to respond. I trust God's spirit to do the work in your heart. Now you have to make a decision. You will never be able to blame me, God, or anyone else for your decision. Hmm. We're ambassadors for God. And so God brought in the flood on the world of the ungodly, Peter says. He says that the judgment came through divine long-suffering as God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, which in a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water, 1 Peter 3.20. But Noah was also a faithful sign to the world of that day. Faithful. God is so faithful to warn all the time. A faithful sign. The days of Noah, as we have seen already, are to be characteristic of the days when Jesus is about to return. But as the days of Noah were, so also was the coming of the Son of Man be in Matthew 24, 37. Every intent of the thought of man was evil continually. The days of Noah were identified with specific things. Listen. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. The eating and drinking, there's nothing wrong with them, but it's in an unordinary way. This is what they live for. Gluttony and drinking and getting drunk. The high life. One of the great things about young people today, they want to have it all. So they're in debt over their head. They spend money they don't have. They were marrying, giving in marriage. In other words, marry one woman, divorce her next month, marry again, live with this one, marry this one. Cheat on this one, whatever. Welcome to America. And they were doing this until the day that Noah entered the ark. It was life as usual. Insensate to the message, insensate to the evidence, and just, hey, you believe that? Noah was an intercessor. Ezekiel 14, 14, and 20 tells us. Ezekiel was being sought by the elders of Israel and they had set idols in their hearts and God says, you think I, they should be approaching me? I won't speak to them. He says, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord. Incredible intercessors. But an intercessor can only intercede. He cannot make the decision for the one he's interceding for. 120 years he interceded. Because he understood the grace of God and he understood the day he was living in. Do you understand the grace of God? Do you understand the day that we are living in? You must. Daniel Webster, that famous American politician and orator, and by the way, godly man, once he spent a summer in New Hampshire, and every Lord's Day, every Sunday, he went down to this little country church morning and evening. And his niece asked him why he went there when there were many paid preachers in, 
Washington and their sermons were much more eloquent and everything and why he would do that. And he said this to his niece, quote, in Washington, they preached to Daniel Webster, the statesman. But this man has been telling Daniel Webster, the sinner of Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, that we may never grow tired of the gospel that warns us, convicts us, rebukes us, reproves us, and lovingly tells us to flee from the wrath to come. Are you tired of hearing? Say, I've heard that. Shut up. Is that what you say? I hope not. If you do, that's a big red light flickering. That's a danger signal. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercies has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Your faith must be lined up with the person and work of Jesus Christ. Or it is not faith, it's only foolishness. Faithful proclamation of the gospel is what we need today in our world. We are ambassadors for Christ. Though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We plead with people because you understand wrath is coming. You know what it is to be saved. You know what it is to be lost. So you implore people. Listen to Paul as he tells the Corinthians who are real intellectual. For since the, in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Not the preaching of foolishness, but through the gospel, by preaching. For Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greek foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 24. Faithful witness are a sign of the only way to God. Important. You're the light of the world. The city cannot be hidden. You know that. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Let your light so shine before men. So when they see your good works, they may glorify your Father in heaven. You're the salt of the earth. You lose its flavor. It's good for nothing. It's tossed out. Matthew 5, 13. So we are to turn on the light so people can see their sin and see the Savior and then give them a little salt so they get a little thirsty and they need some water. It begins by being faithful intercessors. First, our loved ones, our wives, our husbands, our children, our family members, our friends, the coworkers, and everybody else who God would bring to my life. You go shopping on Friday, Saturday, whatever it is, and somebody just comes your way. God will open doors for you to share in the darnest places. <laughs> and we need to invite those once we share with them. Never give them the good news and walk away without saying, would you like to accept Christ? And often, well, I, I, you know, you don't need me, but this is what you can say when you're ready. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. I believe the Son of God who died for me. Save me in Jesus' name. Either take them through the center prayer or give them the example. Don't leave them dead. The message of Noah is that he was a man of faith. And so here you have. These were the days of Noah. The modern days of Noah were man 
centered. The mission of Noah was to prepare to escape the judgment of God and be God-centered. And the message of Noah is that he was a man of faith. He's lined up with God, just like you and I have to. That's why Noah was a ray of hope. May God give us wisdom. And may we respond to that wisdom and be wise. Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder to be like Noah and flee sin and turn toward God. And you can request a copy of this hopeful lesson, A Ray of Hope, Noah. We're making it available on CD for just $4. Now this also contains what we heard the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is A Ray of Hope, Noah. Or simply mention today's date when you get in touch. Here's how to reach us. Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. What happens when sin goes on and on? Be sure and join Pastor Xavier Reese as he discusses that issue on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 